raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 162nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today following Carolina's 72-66 to win last night at home over the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs as the number one ranked team in the country improved to 3-0 on the night. Although, if you, you, you look at the body language of the players, you listen to Hubert Davis in his postgame, if you heard what R.J. Davis had to say in his interview with Adam Lucas on the Tar Heel Sports Network, if you heard what he had to say, it felt a lot like a loss because... Simply put, through three games, right now, Carolina, they just aren't playing the the type of basketball I think we all thought they were going to start the season off playing. And last night was another great example of just that. Carolina led just 26-22 to at halftime. They were getting out-rebounded in the first half. They shot less than 30% in the second half. And, you know, the Tar Heels came out and started the the – the second half on a 21-9 run makes it a 47-31 lead. Caleb Love with 10 really quick points early on in the second half makes you feel like Carolina was going to be able to, to put the game away, and that just simply wasn't the case. It was like something happened. The offense just bogged down. Carolina stayed in the half court, and you know you looked up with six minutes to go, and it was a six-point game, and you looked up at the under-four-minute timeout, 
and it was a one-possession game. And luckily, Carolina got a couple stops. They made some free throws. They they made just enough of the winning plays to to, to squeak out another win. But, buddy, there there's no denying that Carolina was three. You know, they're three and zero. And the most important thing is that they won the game last night. But one thing's very clear is that this team. They've got to figure some stuff out because this isn't the team we thought we were going to see when the season got underway. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there, there's one way to take last night, and I think it's it's got to be kind of what we said with football earlier in the season. It's better to learn things in a close win than to learn things in a loss. And I feel like that's kind of the mindset that you have to be taking right now if you're this Carolina basketball team. But at the same time, I mean, they are they are in a really weird spot right now. The way this team is playing is, I it's kind of to me a combination of one a lack of effort. Um, I think to a certain extent, this team probably thought first three opponents that they faced would roll over to the number one team in the country. That it would be a little easy, um, you know. And so far. I think they're finding out that's not necessarily the case. I think it's very evident in the first halves that this is kind of what the mindset of this team has been. But it seems like in the second half, they sort of start to pick things up. I think the other element of it is I, I do think that this is a team that is a playing a little scared. They do not want people to believe that they are overrated. So they are doing everything that they can do to avoid losing one of these games instead of playing to win, playing to dominate. Because, again, I mean, we, we there was hype in the preseason for this team to be the redemption team part two. Mm-hmm. And it was legitimate. You brought back all these pieces. We kind of compared this. We said it was kind of a hybrid between that 2016-17 team and that 2008-2009 team. And right now, it's not looking anything like that. This team looks a lot like early last year, where they were sort of dodging some of the early season losses that were there to be had against less than stellar, stellar opponents. And... The thing that's a little bit different, though, is, look, I mean, they had the Brown game, but remember, like, the College of Charleston, that was a road game. Every game has been at home, and every game has kind of felt the exact same. So, I'm not saying it's time to panic just yet, but there are some things to me right now that I think are worth being concerned about moving forward over these next couple of games, especially once they get into the tougher part of the non-conference. You're going to hear from Hubert Davis a little bit later in the show, but I thought he said it best. Right now they have a energy and a uh, competitive issue. Because, uh, you know, I think we thought coming off of the way the last season ended and the players told us, you know, I coined the phrase, you were three minutes away from a national title. They roll up to ACC media days, and they tell us, no, we were a rebound away from a national championship. So I think, you know, with, with that, and then publicly saying, we can't, we're coming back because we have unfinished business, I think we thought we were going to see the team closer to 2016, 2017 that played with a level of desperation that team had to, to win a national title. Mm-hmm. Carolina 
is not going to be as dominant as they were in 08, 09, probably ever again. It's just not the way the, the, the college basketball landscape operates anymore. Even though they've got experienced talent, this team still needs to play with an energy, effort, and a toughness that you saw in March to, to be the best version of itself. And for whatever reason, right now, that is lacking. And look, a lot of it is they're having they're learning how to play without their emotional leader, and that was Brady Manick. As important as Armando Baycott and Caleb Love and R.J. Davis could be the heart and soul of this basketball team, Brady Manick was the thing that you know brought them together and kept them together during March of last year, and it's very evident right now that they miss. They that, that that they miss them and you know Hubert Davis is he's doing a lot of things that he didn't do last year. He he's he's playing more guys. You're seeing more. You're seeing different lineups on the court as a way to develop more trust within his players to develop more depth. What you need to to get back to the Final Four and win a national championship. But it's also probably forcing his hand once again to where it could be a scenario. And look, Carolina right now is incomplete. You don't have Donovan Puff Johnson. You don't have Jalen Washington. But you're probably looking up and down the, your your roster and saying there's probably five or six guys that I can play right now and I don't think he thought he was going to be at that point in three games in and I think it's something that Carolina's got to be really mindful of as they moved as they move forward he doesn't have that mindset though he said in the post game he is going to start pulling minutes from basically he's going to start pulling minutes from starters you have to he will find other guys to play so in his mind I think he's he's looking at it as yeah maybe he does realize that some of these guys are not going to be able to bring definitely the scoring punch but maybe just even even the overall level of play that you want but at this point I think he's realizing look in order to start sending messages you're going to have to start cutting playing time and playing guys that maybe don't even necessarily fit what you want to fit what you want to do um I mean, like, we saw Justin McCoy in the game late last night. First, were, time, first time he's been on the court all year. First minutes of the season. So I think, and and it's like, after hearing that quote in the post game, that pretty much confirmed everything that I told you when we were watching the game. I told you right out. I thought that was a move. That was, that was his guy that he was trying to send a message with. And to me, look, if that doesn't send the message, I feel like he will go to other guys on that bench and say, look, we're going to do whatever we have to do to find a pulse. Because, look, the first two games were one thing. Now, it's it's looking pretty embarrassing, the fact that that UNCW team that gave you everything they had went on the road and got embarrassed by Oklahoma. But the College of Charleston, we said, okay, well, that's a team that played you tough. They made a lot of shots. Last night, I mean, is is it is it already early enough to use the term unacceptable? Because that's where I'm at with that game. You you should have boat raced that team. That Gardner-Webb team is not good. That I mean, team will not even come close to making the tournament. You know, you can say unacceptable. I'll, I chose to word it very discouraging because I thought at 47-31 the game was over. And, and, I, and I, I put out the tweet, it just doesn't seem like this team right now possesses the ability 
to bury an opponent and end the game. And very look, similar to early last year. And, and yep. so it's something that maybe they've got to they they've got to recreate that. And we thought coming into the year that was maybe that was maybe going to be an established trait. Let's take a look at the box score, which is brought to you by DraftKings. Visit DraftKings via the app or their website. Use that promo code TBPN. And, uh, and 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 to, to to activate our latest offer and get you some great holiday cash as the as the Thanksgiving or Christmas holidays are right around the corner. Carolina shot just thirty eight percent from the field. They were twenty three of sixty. Conversely, Gardner Webb was forty one percent at twenty six of sixty three. So Carolina's defense was really good. Carolina shot just eight of twenty five from behind the three point line. They held Gardner-Webb to to 35%. They were 7 of 20. Here's really where Carolina won the game was at the foul line. They were 18 of 21, including Armando Armando Baycott, who was 6 of 7. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, the running Bulldogs were just 7 of 10. Just 10 turnovers for Carolina, which Gardner-Webb turned or scored four points off of those. Gardner-Webb did did commit 11 turnovers, and Carolina turned those into 14 points. For the first time all season long, Carolina won the battle of the boards, but it wasn't easy. It was 40-38. to Carolina won 31-30 to on the defensive glass and 9-8 to on the offensive glass, but this was a team that entered the game ranked 340th in the country in rebounding and went toe-to-toe with Carolina in that category. Second chance points was 11-4, favor of Carolina. Bench points 19-3, to Gardner-Webb. Points in the paint 32-14, to Gardner-Webb. Fast break points, eight to two, Gardner Webb. So you look at those three areas, kind of like the special teams of, of of basketball. And Carolina didn't really do what they wanted to do in those in those categories. Uh, they did have eight blocks compared to just four for Gardner Webb. Carolina with four steals, the Gardner Webb with seven, and Gardner Webb assisted thirteen uh, on thirteen of twenty six field goals. So fifty percent of their shots were assisted on. Carolina was just eight for twenty three with terms of assist to goal production let's move on now to our quote of the game and we go to hubert davis who met with jones angel on the tar heel sports network and here's what he had to say about his team lacking energy and why that needs to be corrected before sunday's matchup with james madison heading into this season i thought that there would be a hunger and a thirst to Uh, do all the little things that put you in a position to have a chance to be successful as a team. That's what we're not doing. I can't remember a time this year that we've ever gotten a loose ball. I can't remember a time this year where our physicality has been the difference maker on both ends of the floor. I can't remember a time this year where we don't attack the offensive glass. I mean, we just, I can't remember a time where we did. I mean, got extra possessions. Um, I can't remember a time where the ball was just moving, finding the open guys so much, everybody sharing the basketball. And so those are things that we have to address and improve on and get better at and, and do those things really quickly. I thought, I thought that was, that was really telling from Hubert because first off, it was, it was honesty. Because and and I think I've noticed this kind of more than than maybe the average fan does because of what I do for the our blog and for the podcast is that I listen to these post games and so he meets with Jones Angel separately and then he he'll meet with the media publicly and it it feels like to me 
when he's with Jones one on one in the locker room, he's 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 a lot more willing to call his players out. Well, because who's listening to exactly. what he's saying? It's fans. He's he's he can express things a little bit differently because he knows that most of the time fans are not going to turn what he's saying. I mean, for us, and of course we're we're not turning what he's saying, but for us, unless you have the them on your cluster in a in in the radio industry the way it works is we can pull that audio mm-hmm. most people you can unless you're recording on it at home or whatever somehow so it's it's a little bit different so yeah for him i think in there he he kind of expresses himself a little bit more and tells you what he actually thinks at times. I agree. And, and, and I, I really think that, like, because, I mean, a lot of it, some of it is exaggerating. Carolina has grabbed loose balls. They have grabbed offensive rebounds. It just hasn't been to the level he he he, he, he thought it was going to be. And, and I thought that was very revealing because it took him a long, uh, you know, a lot of time last year to get comfortable saying certain things. Which was normal. He was a first-time head coach. And as we kind of learned, he had a locker room that was kind of fragile. And, and, you know, they they didn't respond very well to to certain things being said about him. Because it took them blocking all out the negativity to actually play, you know, Carolina basketball. And and so I I think that's where he's frustrated. And, you know, so I'm with you. I think Justin McCoy going on the court was, was a sign that, look, I'll use anybody I got to use to get what I need out of you, or to get to, to get out of this team to win ball games. You know, referencing the JV squad playing with the joy, and I think that's something. You know, Jones Angel said this in the post game as well. Right now, it just looks like work for Carolina. The game doesn't look fun. It doesn't look like they're having fun, and I, I think that just goes back to the mentality. And you know, Josh Graham was honest with me. He said, "Yeah, I worry about the mentality of this team because you go from being the hunter to the hunted and you know, right now through 3 games, Carolina isn't handling that all very well." Yeah, Josh Graham's too smart, man. I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like this. He did pick the Tar Heels to win the Coastal though in football. So, I mean, he's been right, but but I I think he is kind of spot on. This is a team that looks like it has a lot of pressure on it, and when you talk about just the energy around the team, that was one of the things I pointed to with this team a year ago was that there were just times early in the season and even when they got into early conference play where they did not look like they were excited to be out there every night. Once that team won that game in Cameron, the the mindset changed. It seemed like everybody was enjoying themselves and they were really enjoying the ride that they were on. And look, there have been times, I mean, when, when Carolina extended that lead to 16 last night, you saw Caleb Love start to bring a little bit of energy. But the minute that somebody punches back and or that something goes wrong, it's as if they go back to that mindset of playing a little bit tentative, just trying not to, you know, trying to force things a little bit too much. That That's the thing that right now I think is you're, you're seeing from this team, is you're seeing a team that is... Extreme is is playing nervous, and it's also a team that right now is not doing the things that they know they are capable of. This team should be absolutely destroying people on the glass, and it's not happening. This team should be sharing the basketball about as well as any in the country, and it's not happening. So those are the types of things that, as you heard in that clip right there, 
Huber Davis says, look, we've got to change it, and we've got to change it quick. And I think that's the biggest thing for Carolina. Last year, you changed it. But this year, you've got bigger expectations. You've got bigger goals. And in order to get there, you want to make things a little bit easier on you. You should not want to follow the same path that you had to a year ago because that path is not guaranteed to work out a second time. Yeah, no, it's it's a real it's a real tricky trap to kind of fall back into. And you know, look, there are some teams. I was actually mentioning this today to our to our our afternoon host because he was asking me as he was coming in, like, "Hey, where are you?" And I was just like, "Look, oh well, you're in Charlotte." You, you know, when 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 Carolina's been in these situations before, they had built up a lot of equity, especially that 0809 team to where. If they wanted to cut it on, they could. Like they'd been there for three years, they'd been through the trials and the tribulations. That trust factor was there. You go back to 2015, 2016, even because that core was so you know so experienced, and the leadership you had in Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, you trusted them a little bit more. With this group, we have six weeks. Like that, you know, when 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 this core was here as a freshman, as freshman. They dealt with the global pandemic and a roster that never meshed, and it was an up and down year, and that's why they flamed out into the tournament. And and then and Roy Williams retired. And then last year, you know, six weeks before the tournament, you were you were out. You weren't you weren't going to the NCAA tournament. And then it all kind of came together, and you go on this magical ride. So yeah, as a fan base, as much as as much as we. We, we 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 you know we're supportive of these kids. There is a different trust factor, but I do think one thing this team has got to find a way to put behind them is understand that last year was last year, and this is this year. And while you want to achieve some of the same things you did a year ago, playing on the you know playing in the Final Four, playing for a national championship, the journey's got to be different. You need to embrace that. We just want a different result. Yep. And, and I think that once they kind of get to that mindset and realize, look, no matter what, five years from now, ten years from now, that 2021-22 team. It's going to be one of the most beloved teams in Carolina basketball history. Like with what what you did against Duke, what 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 Caleb Love did, you know, in the Final Four, those moments will never go away. They will never dissipate. But you all came back to achieve more. So for right now, we need to close that chapter and start the new chapter so we can get back to those moments and have a different ending. And, and then then you have a whole legacy. Because right now, right now you have a season. You have a tournament run. Mm-hmm. You come back and you get back to the Final Four. You get back to the national title game, and you have that one shining moment. Well, then you're going to be talked about as one of the you know one of the best legacy you know some of the best legacies in, in modern Carolina basketball history. And so I think that's something where this is where Hubert Davis, having a staff full of guys that have done it at Carolina which, as we talk about, is such a unique place to do and achieve basketball success. I do think over the season that will help this team as they try to form this year's identity with the core from last season. Let's quickly move to the stat of the game. And I stayed positive because Carolina did win, and this was a big reason why, and that was their foul shooting. Carolina, much more aggressive team last night. They got to the foul line 21 times. They knocked in 18 of them. That converts over to 86%. And then Gardner-Webb, just 10 foul shots. They converted seven, and that, of course, equals out to 70%. So, you know, that that plus 11 differential on the 
or at the foul line was ultimately the biggest reason why Carolina did emerge from this game victorious. So we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to get you the latest ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, we'll talk about more thoughts on the win over Gardner-Webb, including Pete Nance's big game, Carolina's rebounding, and much more on the Four Corners podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. So whether if you're a Nick fan like myself, or you're a local Charlotte Hornet fan, you want to bet on the Hornets game, or Melo's assist total, or how many threes Kelly Oubre is going to make, you can do all of that and more at DraftKings at, at DraftKings Sportsbook. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook app is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code TBPM and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys have taken great advantage of those great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast as well. Let's dive right back into this win over Gardner-Webb. And the first guy we got to talk about is Pete Nance because we talked about him in the preview. He was one of my keys to the game was, was to play through him. I anticipated Hubert Davis drawing offense up for him early. I was proven correct by that. And Pete Nance rewarded him with such scoring 16 first-half points, was 5 of 7 from the field, made three uh, made three three-pointers. And without him, I mean, Carolina as a team scored 10 points you know, combined in the first half, and they're they're likely losing at halftime. And without his first half, who really knows where Carolina would have found him? Would have found themselves. He would eventually foul out in this game, but you saw the Pete Nance that we were being talked about upon transferring in. I mean, I had Brennan Marks and John Crispin both tell me he's the best player on this team. He's the most complete basketball player on this team. And through the first mm. two games. We hadn't really seen that. And then last night, mainly on the offensive end, you really saw it come together. He made a tough turnaround shot on the on the on the faraway baseline from Carolina's end of the bench, which was, you know, one of the toughest shots right up there with the with the step back Caleb Love would make in the second half. One of the toughest shots we've seen the team make all season long. But make no mistake, last night was really big for Pete Nance because Carolina needs more offensive firepower outside of Caleb Love and R.J. Davis, along with Armando Baycott. And last night, that guy was Pete Nance. Well, I mean, he showed he showed it 
in multiple ways on the offensive end. He had the back-to-the-basket game. As you mentioned, he takes the tough fadeaway shot. Thank God he made it because everybody else was just standing there watching him like they were one of the spectators. And that another problem that this team has had early on in the season. But he makes that tough shot. His shot in the second half, the only shot that he made was a tough one right at the foul stripe. Just pulls up, knocks one down. So what you saw last night is what we had heard about him when he transferred in. The jumper is there. He hit a couple of threes. This this dude's this dude's got what it takes to be a key contributor for Carolina on the offensive end. And and look, it's not that shocking that it took him a couple of games to settle in. Hey, it took Brady Manick a little bit of time mm-hmm. to settle in. People kind of forget that because of how great he was at the end of the season. And ultimately, that's where you hope Pete Nance gets to. But you're right. Last night, without him, who knows where Carolina is in this game because nobody else did anything, especially the first half. The fact that Armando is now in each of the last two first halves of games, he has a combined two field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. is mind-blowing. And, I mean, you, you saw it again last night. I thought it was better in the second half. I thought the first half shot selection was horrible. I, I thought there were just times where guys were throwing things up to throw shots up. There was a lot of isolation basketball, it looked like, a lot of guys standing around. So, thank God Pete Nance was there to boost this team. And, unfortunately for him... I thought everything changed after he jammed the finger. I, I thought that kind of changed the whole game for him, and it slowed him down a lot. Hopefully that's not something that you have to be concerned about long-term. The good news is is that it's kind of lining up with the return of Puff, so if that is something where it's going to take maybe a little less playing time for him, a little more rest so he can get that thing healed up a little bit, then that's great, but... I, I, I thought, you know, last night he was crucial to Carolina being able to win that game. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's got to be something where you want you want to see him build off of that, and hopefully that jammed finger, uh, you know, will be healed and ready to go for Sunday's uh, matchup against James Madison. Finally, Carolina did what they should have done, which was they won the rebounding battle. And it's 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 and, and in a lot of ways, it, it didn't feel like it was enough. Because it was forty to thirty-eight, like there wasn't an overwhelming presence on the backboard. It felt like, and, and I think I think the frustration's got to be Armando Baycott through three games has yet to reach double figures and rebounds. He has yet to record a double double. Insanity. I love seeing R.J. Davis with ten rebounds. Like so in, against the College of Charleston, you had Caleb Love with nine. In this game, it was R.J. Davis with 10. So you're seeing your guards get to the board in this game. Guards rebounding is in your basketball horny okay. uh, category, right? It, I mean, you know, it's, it's 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 one of the things that get my basketball juices flowing. There you go. Uh, Caleb Love with five. Leaky Black with four. So, like, as a whole, like as a, as a, as a whole Carolina with 40 is a good number. And that's a healthy number. They averaged about 42 last year. But Gardner-Webb entered the game 340th in rebounding. And they out-rebounded you in the first half, and they competed for 40 minutes with you in that department. I said after the first game, I said it was just happenstance, the way the ball bounced. Not a whole lot you can do about it. Yep. The second game, 
the rebounding numbers were so inflated because Charleston didn't miss in the first half, you didn't miss in the second half, it makes for a quirky box score. Three games in, though, this and I've said this since the season started, this is a time of year where you're learning who you are, you're setting, you know, you're learning your habits, you're setting, you know, you're setting tendencies. We we wait till, for three games to call it a win streak. Well, now we've got we got a three game sample size. Carolina has an effort issue, and this is something where when you listen to that audio of Huber Davis, I think this is where his frustration lies in the most because it doesn't seem like there's an awareness and attention to detail, and then it just feels like they don't want that ball. They don't want that ball as much as the opponent does which is a really silly thing to say because the ball is the most important thing in the game. Like, you can't do anything without the ball in your hands in terms of scoring the basketball. And, and it, it doesn't I – don't, I don't really know – I'm not going to say that it's not fixable, but I don't really know what is fixable because, as he said a lot last year, he, he can't coach effort. But I sit here and think about they know the technique. They've got the athletic ability to do it. I just don't think right now they want to do it, mm-hmm. and that's really odd considering they told us the reason they lost the national title because they didn't get one box out of David McCormack against Kansas. I mean, that, that's really the thing. I, I think the most frustrating part of it, even last night, you know, you rebounded. I thought you rebounded a lot better last night on the defensive end. You allowed just eight offensive rebounds. Now, part of that is that, as we mentioned, this is not a good rebounding team at all coming into this game. They were averaging less than 30 rebounds per game coming into this one. So this was a team that was being dominated on the glass. I I thought the margin would be bigger for Carolina. I think the biggest concern right now is that this team is not rebounding on the offensive end. That's what they did so well a year ago, even, even early in the year. This team created second-chance opportunities, and it was the reason why they were able to win a lot of those close games earlier in the season. This year, that's that's not there. They had nine offensive rebounds last night. Again, single digits. There were, I mean, nine offensive rebounds. There were times Armando had that by himself a year ago. So you want to get back. Where are those days where Carolina was playing volleyball on the offensive glass? They would just tap the ball up in the air, multiple chances offensively. It is one and done just about every single time, and that's the reason why the opponent is able to get out and run. We saw some easy baskets at times last night for Gardner-Webb because they did that, and it's the reason why you're not seeing Carolina's assist numbers be as high either because those second-chance opportunities, you're left scrambling and... You, your Carolina has been able to kick it out and find that secondary outside shot. None of that is none of that is happening right now, and I don't. Uh, to me, I just do not understand why. I think you're right. When it comes to rebounding, it's an effort thing. I do think that there is an element. I do not think that Pete Nance is as good of a rebounder as his numbers would have told you at Northwestern. I just he he does not have the frame. He is not physical enough. But maybe that's something that will change maybe that that is something where he is not focusing his efforts on right now but I just don't see it and the problem is is that they do not have that guy off the bench yet 
that can be that physical presence inside. And then when you talk about the other guys, yeah, it's nice to see the guards rebounding. But yeah, Leakey's got to be that guy that steps up and takes his his game on the glass to the next level. You want to see him get to six, seven rebounds per game right now because you just don't have that help anywhere else. But ultimately, to me, it's it's got to be Armando becoming as dominant as he was last year. You got He's got to get back to being that guy. And you've got to find guys off the bench that will play at the five or the four that can rebound for you. That is what is lacking right now with this team. And if it continues, that's the thing for me right now I'm most concerned about. Everything else that you feel like things will get into rhythm. I cannot remember a time where Carolina has not been able to rebound at a high level since I've been watching this team. This this is this is scaring me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like once you get Puff Johnson back, who I, I believe behind Armando Baycott is your second best just technique wise rebounder, the way he can you know do so many things on both ends of the court. I think if Jalen Washington can come back and 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 give something to this front court because it doesn't appear that Will Shaver is ready to do just that. That will do a lot of things because you know Demarco Dunn. Seth Trimble, Tyler Nickel, those guys don't they don't they don't really seem like guys that are going to get to the glass. And then, you know, right now Dontrez Styles just isn't playing a whole lot. I mean, you had you had five guys play off the bench last night and they they totaled a combined four rebounds. And that's that's a real that's a real odd number when you consider that they all played at least 4 minutes or more. And so I think it's just something that they, you know, it's going to be drilled in their heads. They've got today off, but they'll be back in the gym on Friday and Saturday. It, you know, at some point, it's either going to click for them or it's not. And if it doesn't click, that could be the ultimate demise and detriment of this team. Let's talk about Carolina's offense because, all right, as as you hear a it, did that uh, did that record? Uh, yeah, it probably showed up in there. Okay. As um, because Carolina's <laughs> offense just doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. If we're being, if we're being honest, right now, I mean, they scored the 102 against the College of Charleston, but that was just because the pace of that game. You scored 69 against Wilmington, and then 72 last night, but 46 in the second half. Mm-hmm. But you shot 38 percent from the field. You shot 32% from three, which was oddly enough your best three-point shooting night of the year. Nine offensive rebounds, just 11 second chance points. Only 14 points in the paint, only two points in the open court. I think the biggest reason why we thought Carolina was ready to handle the, 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 the expectations and the weight of the college basketball world was because this offense was going to be one of the best in in college basketball because you've got two shot making guards like RJ Davis and Caleb Love. You've got a you've got a front court presence like Armando Baycott. You got a guy like Pete Nance who can do a lot of different things. But it just doesn't appear right now that those four guys along with Leaky Black are clicking and then as much as, you know, 
Hubert Davis is is throwing these these young guys out, the, these freshmen and even the sophomores and Dontre Styles and Demarco Dunn, they don't seem ready to be offensive contributors, and it's got this offense right now in a state of influx through three games. Well, I mean, this is where when I when I said earlier that I think this team looks nervous, I think this is where it's kind of shown up because I don't think that they are playing to their strengths. <laughs> now, again, big part of why Carolina is not having a ton of success offensively is because they are an offensive rebounding. If they were, that shooting percentage would be higher because you're going to get those second-chance looks right at the basket. And like we saw at times last year, you should be able to finish those without much issue. And those are not there right now. But the other thing is is that the offense as a whole is extremely stagnant. There are, are guys that just do not move without the basketball. I mean, there was a time last night where that play that I that that we referenced earlier with Pete Nance, the fadeaway jumper, people literally just standing around watching. I mean, did you did you buy a ticket for that? Like, I'm not understand why would you move without the basketball? Like we, we saw it at times last year, and again when this team was playing at its best, that disappeared. You thought that that was something that would remain sustainable, and I get it. There are going to be nights where it's going to be like that. But each of the first three games, especially in the first halves, you have just seen guys constantly standing around on the offensive end of the ball if they get the ball into the post, something that they don't really do a whole lot of. But but I think they have to do that. They have to get more post touches. They have to move better without the basketball. And the other thing that drives me insane early in games, we saw it again last night early in the second half. You see the guards getting to the basket and finishing some easy looks. Now, granted, some of those were in transition, but just the downhill mentality of Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, especially with Caleb Love so far this season, That's where he's been at his best. Why is that not happening earlier in the game? Quit settling for outside shots. The the shot selection, as I said earlier, I thought was horrible last night in that first half. And it was so much better in the second half. You need to play to your strengths. Your strength is at the rim right now. This is a team that we thought they are capable of taking a step as as a shooting team. We think that will happen at some point. But right now, the shots are not falling for you early on out of the gate, which is something that happens a lot with basketball in general, but especially with college basketball early in the season. You will see ugly games like that because teams aren't in a shooting rhythm. You need to get the ball to the basket, whether it's with your big men or with your guards, and make things a little bit easier on your offense. Because right now, things just aren't easy, and it's leading to you having to play these types of close games against opponents that you should not be in rock fights with. I think the biggest issue right now was the same issue it was this time last year. The floor spacing isn't there. It feels like the middle of the lane is too clogged because Pete Nance feels more comfortable playing in that in that sort of role. And you're not taking Armando Baycott off the court. 
And so you're you're having to figure you you know your guards are trying to figure out ways to maneuver and stuff like that. I think I think that's the biggest issue. The second issue was that they're not they're not playing in the open court. They're not running. They're not pushing the ball the way that they should off of makes, let alone off of misses. And you know that was something that you know this team last year got really good at. They weren't the best running team we we've seen. But they really improved of knowing when to push the floor, how to run the floor, and how to attack in the secondary break off of that. And right now, like none of those elements are 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 are, are visible. And you know that's evident because you had two fast break points. But I mean, I also do feel like as good as Caleb Love and R.J. Davis are, and they're as good a combination as making tough perimeter shots that there is in college basketball. The game comes easier for them when they are when they get to the rim. For Caleb Love, it's finishing at the rim, and when it's for it's R.J. Davis, it's living at the foul line. And for whatever reason, they seem reluctant to be aggressive in that manner. Although, whenever they do get aggressive and they attack, they finish, they draw fouls, they hand the ball off for dunks, they kick out to an open perimeter shooter. Everything that we want this offense to be and look like, it, it 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 comes to fruition, but for some reason that 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 attack mode isn't there in the backcourt. Well, I I think they're hunting the magic that they had during the tournament last year, and it's just guys that that was part of what it was a year ago was it was just magic the the shots that you were hitting, they're not falling right now, so just accept it. Like I said, the shooting will eventually come along. But do you do you not agree? Like some of these shots, I mean, they are just heaving up, and it's not like late in the shot clock. They are just heaving up shots that are just absolute head scratchers. I mean, they are five, six feet behind the three point line, just throwing one up to see if it goes. There aren't many shots that they've taken that I've gotten utterly upset at. I, I don't mind if you want to shoot three pointers because they. I mean, this was the best three point shooting team in program history a year ago and while you lost Brady Manick, you still brought back the you know the backcourt that was largely responsible for that. My biggest issue is that when they take the shot. It's more of when the shot where they are on the shot clock and where the offensive rebounding presence is on the court. And so a lot of that is a bit like what you know, why is Carolina dominating the glass? Well Armando Baycott isn't in a position on the floor to get the offensive rebounds. Kids don't follow their shots anymore, so I can't complain about that because it's not taught that. So I mean, I mean, like they're going to shoot three pointers. They need to because the best way to shoot yourself out of the slump is to keep shooting. But it's really just more about being uh, being mindful with you know that's time, score, floor positioning, and all that stuff. You know, what was where I get more frustrated. Their shot selection is what it is. It's who they are. That's in their mo. You're not going to change it. But it's 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 all the other little things that really. What what came together last year? Right now, they're broken pieces, and you need to put you need to find someone to put the puzzle back together. And that's the last thing we're going to talk about is that Hubert Davis was emphatic that they need they need an energy guy, and maybe that guy is Justin McCoy. I don't know. Um, I, I I'm I'm willing to believe it is though because that guy didn't see the court the first two games. And then he's on the court in the stretch run of a game that was a lot closer than it should have been. But they need it. And uh-huh. and and I don't know, maybe maybe it is Puff Johnson. It definitely was last year. 
I, I mean, I'm not going to ask Jalen Washington to be that guy. I think we all thought it was going to be Seth Trimble, and Trimble's done some nice things. He scored all three of your bench points last night. But then, but then again, he's a freshman. Like you're asking a lot out of him. We think there's a good role for him to be a productive player here as a as a rookie, but you're putting him in a position to overwhelm him with the expectation to where he underperforms. And I, I think it's something that, you know, we, we talked about it, we talked about it, we talked about it, but it wasn't really going to ring true until we saw it. And it's like that that the energy and the emotion that Brady Manick played with, you cannot replicate. Uh, but right now, that's the thing this team misses the most. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Brady, Brady Manick's a dude that you'll you'll look back on and you will realize just how special he was, how special of a player he was. And if he was at Carolina for his entire career, I mean, my God, he would be up there on some of those all-time lists with just what he was able to do as a three-point shooter. In terms of the energy... I think, look, Trimble, I think, brings some, no doubt about it, because he runs the floor. That, that You could say whatever you want. That dude was was running the floor every chance he had. It's just kind of like you said. He is a freshman, and to a certain extent, I thought there were times last night where they could have given him the ball in the open floor, and they chose not to. I don't know what they don't trust him yet. Whatever the guys on the floor don't trust him. I'm saying, but I, it, they they had opportunities to give him the ball and they didn't. To me, look, Justin McCoy could be that energy guy. I think the thing with McCoy is we just we know he's so limited offensively. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's the thing with him. Puff is going to be the guy you would imagine. But here's the thing: they have to realize that we don't know. This is like last year. We don't know when we're getting Puff back. We're hearing that it could be in Portland. Okay, but when in Portland? Will it be for the first game of the PK-85 against against Portland? Will it be your second game that you would play against Iowa State or Villanova? I think those are the two teams. Um, that's if you even beat Portland, to be honest. I mean, it, that nothing seems guaranteed at this point. So... That's the thing. Right now, it's got to be, hey, we got to find energy within ourselves here. Because right, we we don't have that guy off the bench. We thought maybe Dontre Styles could be that guy. That's that's not it right now. We thought maybe DeMarco Dunn had taken that step in the offseason. It's not there right now. Yep. So you can, you you have to, as that group of starters, you have to create your own energy. You did it last year. Because when they were the Iron Five, I mean, look, you had times where Puff Johnson came into the game and helped you, but for the most part, you created your own energy in those games, and it, it, it was what carried you. You have to be able to do that in these games early in the season, and it's it's got to start happening now. Because this team that you're playing on Sunday, they are no joke. That team, a lot of people think that is a team that will make the NCAA tournament. Many believe that's one of the best mid-major teams out there in James Madison. If you don't bring the energy to that game on Sunday, even though it's in your place, you could lose that game if you are not careful. So it's it's time for this team to realize they have to step it up. And the thing that people need to understand is we're hearing this that quote from Hubert Davis in 
the Tar Heel postgame on the Tar Heel radio network. I'm assuming that that message is probably even a little bit stronger in the locker room as well and in practice over these next couple of days. We certainly hope so, and, you know, I do want it to be make make it clear because I mean I mean I I had some people coming at me on Twitter. I'm sure the same thing for you in the course of the jobs we work at as as members of the media. Not panicking, not overreacting, but it, you know it's like I said today. If you're not at least concerned or worried, you you know you're you know take off the Carolina blue blinders. It's okay to admit that this team right now is a little overrated, but it's also like it's also like Eric Montross said. It's November. Yeah, we're playing for April, but you got to go through some things to get to April. And right now, as much as we didn't want this team to go through some things, they're going through some things. But like last year, we're not. You know, I you know I learned my mistake from last year. I'm gonna trust the guy that's leading them. I'm gonna trust the staff he's compiled. You're not firing anybody just yet. And I I do think at some point the players are going to turn the switch on, and we're going to see a team that is more than worthy of being the number one ranked team in the country. Well, with that, guys, this is wrap up this edition of the show, but we do encourage you to visit our website, HeelToughBlog.com for more on Carolina's win over Gardner-Webb. Go check out my recap, and then this weekend I will be getting you ready for that Sunday afternoon, Sunday matinee with James Madison as they play at noon. As for the football side of things, Carolina and Georgia Tech this weekend, we'll be getting you ready with the preview, and then we'll have all the postgame coverage as we always do with you know a, a recap, trench report, stock report, Ashes analysis, and more. You can find all that great Carolina coverage, Carolina football and basketball coverage that is at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you guys know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and leave a review for us on all the jobs we're doing here on the podcast. Most importantly, we do want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the the the, the duration of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Get any sweeter than that! Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.